Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. So, LSU had a really big win last week, but before we get into that, I'd like to make a little public service announcement. Crunch Time now has an Instagram account. It's crunchtime.podcast.official. Go follow it if you want um, episode updates, reminders, fan polls, all that good stuff. Go follow the Instagram account. Now back to some podcasting. Like I said, LSU beat Bama last weekend, 46-41 in Tuscaloosa. And Rodrigo, how do you think that shakes up the college football playoff? Well, I think obviously LSU has to be the number one for the entirety until the college football playoffs start. Just If you just look at their strength of schedule, they have played some really good teams. And then obviously going to Alabama and beating them. It was obviously close, but if you really look at how they played, LSU was the better team on Saturday. I was really impressed with Joe Burrow coming into that game. I said I didn't know how Joe Burrow would play in those pressure situations, and he played spectacularly. I have not seen a quarterback in college football be as clutch as he has been this season, and especially in this latest game, in a long time. I don't love his arm strength or his accuracy at times can be a little off. But when he needs to make a play, it always seems like he always makes it. He always delivers for LSU. I think Alabama, currently the new rankings, they're ranked at number four. I think they should be ranked lower because if you just look at their schedule, they haven't played that many great teams. The one great team they've played in LSU, they lost to. I think you look at a team like Oregon, who hasn't lost a game since week one on a neutral site against Auburn. And neutral sites early on, they're... They, you never really know what's going to happen. So I would put Oregon above Alabama. I think also Georgia, they lost a road game. And I always think it's more impressive. It's, it's less bad when you lose a road game than a home game as Alabama did. So I definitely think Alabama should drop. But it's going to be very interesting to see whether they decide to put Alabama in just because it's Alabama. I think this could be one of the first years in the college football playoffs that you only see one SEC team go to the playoffs if Georgia loses to likely LSU in the SEC championship game, then they would be a two-loss team, so they're out. In Alabama, I really don't like them over a lot of the winless teams because they did lose at home, and it was a conference game, whereas uh, Oregon's lost. They went out early in the season, and you the committee has to give them some props for going out going to an outer-of-division opponent at a neutral site and then playing them early in the season, just like what LSU did with Texas. And a note on what you said, JW, and they played them hard. It was a last-second comeback. But what I'd like to see is I think the results of the Iron Bowl now um, where uh, Auburn plays Alabama, I feel like that has major implications because you have two one-loss teams, both with strong wins, both with or both with strong losses, Alabama hasn't really played a lot of people. Auburn, they've they're like one for two on strong opponents, right? They beat Florida and lost to LSU. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the winner of that, they're not going to get into the college football playoff though because they're not winning a conference championship, and yeah. that is very important. So I think if Alabama wins, you can't not give the put them in the college football playoff. 
because their one loss was to the number one team by one score. But if Auburn wins that game, I don't see um, how you can put either team in. I agree. I think both the Auburn would cancel out Alabama if they win. But I think Alabama will go in there and win, even though LSU, they were very close. I think Auburn's a very good football team, but I think Alabama is just a little bit better, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I think one of the biggest stories from this weekend is Minnesota beating Penn State, moving up in the AP poll all the way to number seven. They have a shot. They can really control their own destiny. The next three weeks, they play a couple of good teams. They play, they're going to play Northwestern, who's okay, but then they are going to play Wisconsin. And um, eventually, if they win out, they're going to be in the Big, 12, uh, Big Ten championship game. And so they're going to stack up against Ohio State. And that would be a huge game. I don't know if they can beat Ohio State, but if they keep it close, close if it's a very one-score game, Will the committee give a, mi- a middle-level ty- program like Minnesota the nod over somebody like a one-loss Alabama? I don't know. I think Minnesota. They've showed up and they've played. It's not like they've been playing bad teams. They've played Penn State, and they're going to go up against uh, Ohio State. And if they can get that win, I think that really shows the committee. They're, they're a, they can beat big-time schools, and I think they would really have to give Minnesota the nod with two wins against very good opponents over uh, a Georgia or an Alabama. So this is going to be our second episode of Take It or Leave It, and we are going to start talking about the Sunday night football matchup. The Vikings beat the Cowboys 28-24. to Dak Prescott played really well, but the Vikings and Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook played a little bit better, and we're going to start with you, Jack Gringle. Take it or leave it. Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. I'm taking it. Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott because Kirk Cousins can function without an insane run game. Dalvin Cook, he had a great game. I will agree with you, but he did not go off in the way we are used to seeing Dalvin Cook go off. However, Kirk Cousins was still able to lead that team to a win, and I think that Dak is completely dependent on Zeke whereas Kirk can function a little bit better without his star running back, and then Dak can. Well, I would argue the exact opposite, because if you looked at that game, Zeke did not play well at all. And that to end the game, uh, Zeke got the ball like the last three uh, plays of that game, and he was not able to come up with a big-time score to win the game. Where And Dak had the second-highest QBR with 85 of any quarterback over the weekend. I don't think the issue with Dallas was Dak at all. I think he played really well. He showed off his arm. He made really good, accurate throws downfield. The issue was just the defense and not being able to stop the Vikings. I think that Kirk Cousins, if I have him for a long time, I would want Kirk Cousins, but just this season, I would want Dak. I think Dak Prescott is not going to age well, being that he's more of a he, he can he's more of a dual threat quarterback, and he's got a a bit worse arm than Kirk Cousins. But I thought this was a really good game from Dak Prescott. Zeke really was not doing much in the run game, 20 rushes for 47 yards. And Dak Prescott really kind of put the team on his back this game. So that's why I think Kirk Cousins in the long term. But this game, Dak played really well. I'm also going to leave it. If this was Kirk Cousins' sixth win of his entire career against a team with a winning record. He is 6-30. and 30. So what does that tell you? Against the bad teams, he plays really well. But against the good teams, he just 
struggles a ton. And yesterday, obviously, you can say whatever you want. He played a good game. But Dalvin Cook really carries the load on offense, whereas Dak Prescott is occasionally called more than Kirk Cousins is to be the one who makes all the plays. I've been very critical of Dak Prescott. I still don't think he's as good a quarterback as someone like Carson Wentz, but he definitely has improved. I think he's improved his accuracy, his arm strength. He's thrown some really good balls, especially to Amari Cooper, who, by the way, had two incredible catches last night. Toe-tap king. Yes, Amari Cooper, insane wide receiver when it comes to making those catches down the sideline. But I just think I have not seen Kirk Cousins play well during the late stages of the season and when it matters most most as much as I have seen Dak Prescott, which is why I have to take Dak Prescott by a narrow margin. I'd like to say Dak Prescott, he by no means had a bad game last night. He had almost 400 passing yards. He had three passing touchdowns. But I'm just saying Dak Prescott, I'd take him. But just because of the fact that he's good when he needs to be. And we are going to move on to our second one. So the Rams, in a bit of a surprising game, lost to the now 5-4 and four Steelers over in Pittsburgh. And that puts them at 5-4 and four as well. So take it or leave it, the Rams will miss the playoffs. Um, I am going to take it. The Rams are going to miss the playoffs. The Rams, they started out hot. They kind of started out like the Dallas Cowboys. They started out hot. They weren't playing some great teams. And then reality set in. For two games, Jared Goff had accumulated something like 780-something passing yards, and they still didn't win. And so then they tried to go to their run game, and that didn't work. They faced a very good run defense in the San Francisco 49ers, and they the Niners shut the Rams down. The Rams cannot beat good teams, and when you can't beat good teams, you can't get enough wins to either win your division or make it to the playoffs. Now, what I'm also taking is the Steelers making the playoffs. They've had a little bit of a resurgency with Mason Rudolph. I think he might be the quarterback of the future up there in Pittsburgh, and I'd like to see how he plays over the next couple of games, but I'm taking that they're making the AFC playoffs as well. I'm going to take that they are not going to make the playoffs. I think the Rams are right now not good enough. And given what their schedule is to make the playoffs, I don't like Jared Goff at all. I think their offense is a huge issue. They could not move the ball whatsoever against the Steelers. It looked bad. I think their defense is still good. Obviously, they have a lot of playmakers on that defense. But if you look at their schedule, they're going to have to play the Seahawks, the Ravens, and the 49ers, all three excellent teams that they're probably not going to win and I think they're going to have to have a better record than nine and seven uh, to make the playoffs. I'm going to take it as well. I don't think the Rams can make the playoffs. I criticized the Jalen Ramsey trade a lot and one of my main points was there's weaknesses. One of their biggest weaknesses wasn't even the secondary. It was the offensive line and yesterday against a very good Steelers front their offensive line got absolutely destroyed and you see Marcus Peters now with the Ravens. He just had, had his second pick six in three weeks, and they traded him away for nothing and acquired Jalen Ramsey for their entire future. I think that Sean McVay has kind of been figured out. Everyone was labeling him a genius after two years, and if you really think about it, besides making a Super Bowl, which he shouldn't have even been in because of that late call, he hasn't really done anything in the NFL to be na- to be mentioned as one of the elite coaches like Bill Belichick and Sean Payton. And I just think 
without Todd Gurley working, I completely agree with you, Jack, that Jared Goff is not very good at all when Todd Gurley isn't working. So I just think due to all of those reasons, I don't think the Rams make the playoffs. I look at this, they're uh, one and a half games out of a wild card spot behind Minnesota, who is seven and three. They're five and four, along with Philadelphia and Carolina. And do I think Minnesota can make the playoffs? I think they might stumble at the end of nearing the end of the season, but I think Carolina, I would take Carolina over the Rams right now. Their quarterback's looking really good. Their run game's looking really good. And their defense, I would say, is probably on par, maybe even better with the Rams this year. And Philadelphia, they might not uh, be great in every single game, but they look good in a lot of games. And I might take them over the Rams to make the playoffs. So I really don't see it for the Rams making the playoffs this year. Okay, and our third take it and leave it, we are going to talk about the offensive rookie of the year discussion. The defensive rookie of the year, I mean, we all know it's going to be Nick Bosa. But for offensive, there are a couple candidates, Josh Jacobs, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones. But Josh Jacobs has emerged as the favorite. So take it or leave it, Josh Jacobs will win offensive rookie of the year. I will take that because I think he, unlike the other two, ha- the, the um, Kyler Murray – uh, and uh, Daniel, Jones. Daniel Jones, I think he's had the be- the better season in terms of the thing about being a QB is you can really pinpoint problems with their game, whereas a running back, you can just go out and accumulate stats and yards, which is what Josh Jacobs has done. Whereas if you look at Daniel Jones, you can say, hey, he hasn't really been able to throw the ball downfield for big chunk plays, or Kyler Murray, hey, his completion rate is not great. So I think you can poke more holes in the QB's games, whereas Josh Jacobs is just like, hey, go get yards, go get touchdowns. Uh, earlier this season, after his first game, I think he was the only player since LaDainian Tomlinson to have over 120 rushing yards and over three touchdowns in his first game. And the man has been looking like LT, not Lawrence Taylor, LaDainian Tomlinson, a lot this year. He's finding the holes. He's making the holes. He's breaking five-yard runs into 50-yard runs. I'm loving his game. I'm loving the way he plays, and I really do think he will be Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think that he is not going to be Offensive Rookie of the Year, and I think that the man coached by David Cutcliffe, one of the best college coaches in football, yes, I'm talking about Danny Dimes, he will be the Offensive Rookie of the Year. You saw he played very well in the first half versus the Dallas Cowboys, who have quite a good defense. He's played well in a lot of games, and he can turn it on in the latter half of the season, and he will be the Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think that Josh Jacobs will win Offensive Rookie of the Year, but that being said, I don't think he deserves to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I hear your Daniel Jones, but he has a glaring fumble concern. He has had nine fumbles so far this year. But the guy who I think deserves to win Offensive Rookie of the Year is Kyler Murray. Not a lot of people have been paying attention, but Arizona has been really competitive, especially offensively this season, and it is mostly due to Kyler Murray. David Johnson has been out a few weeks, and Kyler Murray has been asked to carry that offense. And while his touchdowns may not look great or his completion percentage may not look great, he has made numerous plays time after time to keep his team close. And you look at the talent on that team – It is nothing close 
to what the Raiders have. I mean, his offensive line is terrible. His defense is terrible. His receivers are okay. And he has been absolutely spectacular. I think he's going to be a superstar in the NFL unless he can't stay healthy. And also, I think Josh Jacobs, I don't want to take anything away from what he's doing, but you you have to keep in mind, that Raiders offensive line has been very good. So I think Josh Jacobs is getting more help than Kyler Murray is. So our next subject is going to be the Seahawks 49ers game tonight in Santa Clara, California at Levi Stadium. The 7-2 Seahawks going up against the undefeated 8-0 49ers. So take it or leave it, the Seahawks will upset the 49ers, who, by the way, are going to be without George Kittle. I am leaving it. I think that the 49ers are a good team. They have a system that works with or without George Kittle. They have used their other tight end multiple times in third downs. And because the Niners have been a surprise this year, I've been watching some of their games. Their offense works no matter who's in the game because their system is good. They run the ball hard. They run in between the tackles and they run outside of the tackles and then they set up their passes. And although Jimmy G is not a star quarterback, he is definitely, he's not a Deshaun Watson. He's not a Patrick Mahomes. He can make the throws that he needs to make. I think they also have one of the better defenses in the league. I think um, Russell Wilson without is going to be left optionless. Um, he won't be able to scramble quite well because of a good defensive line. He won't be able to throw the ball downfield because of a decent secondary. I feel like their offensive production will be smothered. And the Niners will do just enough to get enough points and win that game. I'll take that the Seahawks are going to upset the Niners because I think the Niners' offense, although very, very good, it can be a little up and down at times. You look um, against the Redskins, they were only able to score nine points. And against the Panthers, they scored 51, blowing them out. So I think their offense can be very, very, very good. But I look at the Seahawks with an experienced coach in Pete Carroll. Maybe you throw some wrinkles into Jimmy G who hasn't been great this season. He's been good, even though the offense for the 49ers has been good. But on the other side of the ball, for the Seahawks, you have Russell Wilson, probably the MVP of this season so far. And I think he's going to come out and have a big performance, which propels the Seahawks to a I think when you look at players, you look at their stats and you're like, oh, Russell Wilson should be the MVP. You know what players really have to do? They got to get the Ws. And you know who's never lost as a 49er? Except for last year, two games. Last year doesn't count, okay? okay. This got, year, never He got lost. hurt last year, okay? Last year, he, he was injured. Never lost when he's not injured. Jimmy G, he gets the Ws, like James Winston, except he's eating Ws every single Sunday. And now he's going to start eating Ws on Monday, too. That's I, why Jimmy G wins the game. I'm going to take it that the Seahawks upset the 49ers. You look... At that 49ers offense, it is very reliant on George Kittle. He does a ton in the passing game, obviously one of the best tight ends when it comes to catching the ball, but he also does a lot in the running game. He is the best blocking tight end in the NFL. And I think Russell Wilson, he needs a great performance to keep pace with Lamar Jackson in the MVP discussion. I think he definitely lives up to those to, he, he definitely plays like he needs to. He's getting Josh Gordon a new weapon to add to his arsenal. 
Nobody has been able to stop Russell Wilson this year. That will continue. He will play absolutely amazing, but it will be a high-scoring game because the Seahawks' defense is not very good at all, as can be seen by them allowing Matt Schaub to throw for 450 yards. So I think that in an absolute shootout, the 2019 MVP Russell Wilson will play lights out and the Seahawks will prevail. Well, it's a good thing this game is on the West Coast because we will be seeing Pac-12 football. What I was trying to say, my prediction is that the 49ers will win just because they have a fullback that is good. And he is coming back from injury. You know what's going to happen? They're going to run the fullback flare, the fullback dive. The fullback screen. When they're stacking the box, they got 10 dudes in the box. You run the fake fullback dive, and then you pitch it to the running back who's wide out open on the outside when every single person on that Seahawks defense is coming in. And boom, 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 Matt Breda, touchdown. All right. And then, as mentioned before, we talked briefly about Lamar Jackson in the MVP discussion. So take it or leave it. Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the AFC. I'm leaving it. I feel like Lamar Jackson, he has great numbers. I feel like he is going to end up like um, Sean McVay, as he will be great for one or two years, and then teams will start to figure him out. They'll start to play more of like a zone blitz or something. They'll do something defensively to take away his rushing ability as well as his pocket passing ability. And at that point, he is he's not a great thrower, and he's a great runner. He's a decent thrower. But when they make him – when they figure out a way to make him make every single play, that's when he will be negated. I feel like as of this year, the stats are going to say he is. But I feel like going on for the next three years, Lamar Jackson will be figured out. I'm going to leave it. I think that there, he's a – although he's a very, very good QB – I think that you still have to go give the nod to Mahomes or even Deshaun Watson, who has played lights out the past three weeks. I do think, however, that he will continue to have sustained success, as long, barring injuries, because I think it's hard to even account for just that natural talent that he has. You can plan and scheme all you want, but at the end of the day, if he jukes your guy and spins half, half, past half of your secondary there's not much you can do about that. So I think he is very, very good and is certainly up in that discussion, but I not quite yet. But maybe if at the end of the season he continues to play this way, yes. I think it is extremely close between him, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes. Out of those three quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson is the only one to beat Tom Brady. So that should say a lot about how good he is in those clutch situations. Obviously, the stats are great. It all looks great. But keep in mind, he has had a considerably weaker schedule than someone like Patrick Mahomes. And he also hasn't had to face injuries, which I think will inevitably happen because of the way he plays. I agree with you, Jack, that he is going to be eventually figured out. So I think it's very close. But I think you look at a matchup, Deshaun Watson against Lamar Jackson next Sunday in Baltimore. 
I think whoever wins that game is really going to show you who is the better quarterback between those two, and along with Mahomes, who is the best quarterback in the NFL. And Rodrigo, on your point, Lamar Jackson is the only one to beat Tom Brady because he's the only one to play Tom Brady. No, like but, in his career. Oh, but this season. Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Walton will have a crack at Brady. I think both of those games will decide who really is the best quarterback in the AFC. I think it is obviously a take. Lamar Jackson, not only the best quarterback in the AFC, the best quarterback in the entire NFL and could may become the best quarterback we have ever seen. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. Signing off for now and saying goodbye, I'm Jack Ringgold.